you are officially on the podcast for your first time. Are you scared? Yay! Yet? I'm nervous. Tell Not us. scared. Or not. Never mind. Okay, what did you say? Your phone cut out. Oh, uh, I switched microphones over to my sweet, silky uh, microphone. So hopefully I sound better. Mm -hmm. How nervous okay. you are. You don't want to tell us how nervous you are? I'm not that nervous. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm used to talking. Talking's easy. But um, I think I'm mostly just uh, nervous because normally people can't see me. So I'm hidden behind like, you know, a little booth or with a little headset on. And so I don't have to be visual. Like people don't have to look at my face while I'm talking. <laughs> there are so many, just so many places to take us. Well, we, we will be responsible. We are joined here with Lonnie Fox. How's it going? It's going great, Nate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Lonnie is going to be a semi-regular addition to the podcast going forward. Uh, maybe not every episode, probably not every episode, but on occasion you're going to be on and you're going to be our, uh, our sober-minded woman who keeps us in line and tells us how stupid we are because we really are desperately needing that right now. Um, so I'm not going to lie. Your podcast has a lot of testosterone in it. It's not going to hurt any to have a female in the mix. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell us who you are and why you're qualified to be on the show. Come on, be nice and arrogant. Tell everybody how great you are. Go on. I'm not very good at that. Um, okay, so anyway, my name is Lonnie Fox Raymond. I've been playing pool since I was, oh, I'm not going to age myself. We're going to say 25 years. And um, I have played professionally. I have played on the amateur level. I have been... I have been involved in doing commentary. I, I, I'm basically a complete pool nerd and have been that way for many years. And, uh, and so I have a lot of knowledge. I have experience um, and, you know, and a general love for this sport, which helps. And, um, and I'm definitely excited to be here. And I think I have every right to be here. I watch as much pool as anybody. So pretty excited to, to be involved for the first time. I've watched the podcast for a long time. Sorry. I got things making noise in my room. Now we get a nice view of your nose. Oh, I'm so sorry. I forget. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. That right there is exactly what I mean about I normally can be talking and I can be doing three other things at the same time. <laughs> but and, you know, and that's why I told Nate, I was like, I am going to make a mess of this because I am not used to people being able to see me. You're going to crush it. You're going to be awesome. Thanks. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm in my pool room at home. I decided to come home from my salon. I own a salon in the hometown that I live in. And uh, I decided it was best to do this in the privacy of my own space. And so um, I came to my pool room, which is my favorite place. Yeah. yeah, show us around. Yeah. It's a pretty cool pool room. Uh, okay, so I can't really see myself, so you guys bear with me. It's a little messy. So that's my race car door. My dad and I own a race car, and it's got my salon name on it. And then I have a Valley 7-foot triple shim, and I have an Olhausen drop pocket uh, that has been refurbished and plays very, very similar to a diamond. So this is where I practice. This is my space. This is where my husband and all his buddies have their, 
Thursday night AARP club. And so, uh, yeah, my whole family uses it. We enjoy it. Uh, so, perfect. Uh, Zach McCraw asks, no Mike and the other guys today. They will be on in a little bit, but we are going to give uh, Lonnie just a few seconds to introduce herself. And then the rest of the people are going to be joining in. Demetrius will be on today. Uh, Chris and Jim Telfer will be on today. So Chris and Jim were both at the, the European Open, so it seems fitting that we get them on. And then Demetrius is actually sitting in the background right now, so I guess I don't. we'll bring him in. What's up, Demetrius? How you doing, Nate? Uh, good Perfect to meet you, Lonnie. Hi. It's nice to meet you, too. I've been watching you guys for a while, so thanks for Excellent. having me. Our pleasure. Yeah, we need, some, uh, we need somebody to keep us in line, so... Lonnie's going to do it. She's going to yell at us and tell us how dumb we are. Hopefully. Don't be shy. <laughs> so, I'm not. We uh, know that name. Yeah, that's the thing. Demetrius, I'm going to be up in your neck of the woods this weekend. We gonna, yeah. You're going to come over and get hammered with me? No, I'm actually going to be doing a three-day refresher. So I've got six, six former students that have uh, done a three-day boot camp with me. And what we're doing is I, I talk about there's teaching and then there's training. You know, sometimes people are like talking about new, you know, new information, new shots, new strategies. But then there's actually like putting in the work. So what I've done is uh, I've already taught these guys kind of what I have to teach them. But what we're doing is we're getting six of my former students together again for three days to actually train and just put in hours doing it. Um, the biggest, anyway, I could get into details about what we're going to be doing. So we've got three tables set up at a commercial pool hall. We're going to be, we're going to be training all day. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see all those guys. Again, we've been in touch. They've all kind of know each other through my, uh, our, our Facebook group where we do ongoing training. Now we're going to get together. We're going to be working on a bunch of stuff and, uh, you know, just, just putting in the hours, you know, just fine tuning. And I think the biggest thing that's cool about that is these guys can train on their own, but when they train with me, I just, I have a higher standard of like how the rack should be run to where it, I demand a little bit tighter cue ball, a little bit tighter targets, better angles, smoother transition. So little by little first, they, I raise the bar on what they have to do for their patterns. And then that raises the bar on how accurate they need to be with their cue ball, which then improves their tip accuracy and speed control because they have to like, they have to ask for more from themselves and develop those skills to start keeping up with me basically on the level. So it's, it's nothing fancy the training that we do it's you know it's no secret sauce or anything but just we just they basically just run side by side with me for three days and uh and little by little by little they start asking for more thinking a little bit clearer and getting a little bit more just a little bit more accurate and a little bit of tip accuracy a little bit of speed control a little bit of better cue ball a little bit of better strike on the object ball where you're hitting the part of the pocket you want to and a little bit better clarity on where you're trying to map the cue ball on the table you put it all together and uh few just small micro adjustments in all those areas and uh it looks real different so I, I think I'm I'm having fun. yeah uh I, I do think we have a little bit of feedback uh demetrius could or would you be able to to leave this and come back in see if that clears it up oh sure sure i think your microphone just a little scratchy okay sorry hopefully that clears it up no problem yeah i like what he's doing right because then he takes his uh his students that he's working with and he brings them back and he can actually see the progress. And I think that's great because some coaches don't do that. They, they give you their lessons and then you may never see them again other than to keep in contact with them via inbox or whatever. But I love that he's bringing the same students back and like is able to keep working and like showing them 
you know, okay, well, you've got this part, right? But you still need a little work here. I think that it's good that a coach is able to see progress. I, 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 congrats, Demetrius. You can do that. I want to get done with my lessons and be done with them. To, to keep <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I am not going to lie. I mean, the lessons are not like, I, I do a, a decent amount of lessons and, uh, you know, they're, they're fun and they're rewarding in their own ways, but it's not the first thing that I do. It's not like what I do in the industry um, as a primary thing. And they're, they're, they're hard to keep. So to maintain a, a relationship, not only a relationship, but um, uh, accountability to all the students that you have, that's pretty, well, that's pretty cool. The, the, the yeah. biggest fear, the biggest fear I have is that I'm doing, you know, if I was doing a lesson for like a couple out, is this microphone just not, hang on, let me make one more adjustment. Hold on. Yeah, I think it, I think it's definitely your microphone. Test, test. Is that any better? No. You hear it though, right? Yeah, I do. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, let me finish this thought and then I can, um, maybe I'll bow out if other people jump in and I'll, I'll do some troubleshooting. But what, um, one more thing I'm going to try. I'm just messing around. Okay. So if I was doing a one hour lesson or two hour lesson and I taught somebody a few things, I wouldn't feel the same sense of obligation. But when people come and spend three days with me and make it a big voyage to really try to improve their pool game, I don't feel like I could just point to a few things and give them some knowledge and be like, oh, here's this and that shot. Here, do this, that. Good luck. I feel like the proof is in the pudding, which is do these guys get better over six months, over a year? Are they actually better players? And yeah. I don't measure my success based on my success or my is based on their success. So I feel like it's really important. I follow through and make sure it works. Okay. This is for some reason, guys, I don't know what's going on, but this is un undoable. Uh, I'll sit out. I'll let you introduce Lonnie and let the others join in. And uh, I, I might have to sit this one out until I figure it out. Mate. Yeah. Troubleshoot it around. If you need some help later on, let me know. Um, All right. Sorry. Guys. Are you good? Yeah. Are you going to be at Stooges with that? Yes. So if you want to stop over, I'm going to be a mile yeah. away from. You. Are they, um, are they, uh, are any of them podcast listeners or are they just, yes. uh, okay. So yeah, maybe, maybe I'll stop over. It's starting on Thursday. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, 10 to 10, Friday. 10 to 10, 10 to two. Okay. I will be there on uh, Thursday night. So maybe, um, maybe I'll swing by, it, you know, if I have a, a break in the matches, maybe I'll swing by. We don't by start until Friday morning. Friday morning we start. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'll, I'll be there on Thursday though. So, it's, uh, oh yeah. I guess I was going to say, if I have a break in my matches for a little while, I'll, uh, I'm playing. The we'll, event we'll, stay in touch. we'll stay in touch. Okay. I want to get all to know all about Lonnie. So go ahead, Lonnie. I'll, I'll, I'll mute my mic and figure this out. Okay. So, uh, I guess Lonnie, you're a WPBA pro before we get anybody else in here. Do you have, what's your ranking? Do you have a ranking? Yeah. So I think I'm at like 42nd. I'm only part-time. So, uh, right now with my current, personal life. Um, I own a business in my hometown and I have a steady clientele. And so I'm not really in a position to quit my personal life and play pro professionally full-time. So right now, I'm currently part-time. I do run inside the top 40s. Um, I do have to miss three or four events a year, which makes it tough. But um, as long as I stay within the top 48, I usually end up getting invites and hopefully I can stay uh, ranked high enough that I 
eventually get to the point in my personal life where I can put more effort into the game. Um, Cause I do believe that I'm, I'm easily a top 32 player uh, inside the WPBA on a regular basis. If I had the time to put into it. So um, I get to do, plus I'm lucky. I get to do a lot of the other fun stuff. I do a lot of the commentary for the WPBA and um, I've been talking and in the works with some stuff with women in pool, uh, Miss Gloria Jean, shout out. Um, and so I am, I am in the mix uh, and I am kind of on the mix of both sides, the business side and the, you know, the, and the playing side. So, um, but I would prefer to be playing full time. It's just that, that right now my life doesn't allow that. So. Sure. I, yeah. to I mean, I'm getting there. I still play in a lot of amateur national events too. Right now, while I'm outside the top 32 ranking, like you and I were able to play in the BNEA international championships in the doubles. Um, and if I get inside the top 32, I, they start to, to pull you back from some of those events. And then I surely, once you get inside the top 16. So um, I do have goals in the long term, but right now I have to be happy with what I can invest my time in and, and of course, I want to make sure that I'm investing my time in winning pools. So um, if I have to do it from the amateur side, because that's what I have time for, then sorry, everybody, I'm going, I'm going that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Uh, I guess that's an introduction to Lonnie. Um, welcome to the show as, as uh, I guess, as I'm happy to have you. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, like um, I'm I'm not mad about being your Robin. <laughs> well, you might have to you might have to get in line with Jim on that. Jim gets pretty territorial over, you know. Oh, I'm he's saying. fine. I love him too. I love listening to him. Um, you guys are really funny, and I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts over the last year. I've really tried to be involved in, uh, and I I like that you guys have different opinions too. Sometimes mine align, sometimes they don't, but. Uh, it, it's pretty cool. I like the pool chatter. I like talking about pool. Yeah, it's fun. Well, speaking mm -hmm. of talking about pool, Chris, welcome. Hi, Chris. You're no longer the newest person on the podcast. How does it feel? <laughs> you can do it, little buddy. Nope, we can't hear you. But you can do it. <laughs> so down at the bottom, there's like going to be... I, I... Oh. I felt I, like I went through that too. I feel bad because like I went through the exact same thing trying to get back in. I think what just happened is uh, Chris got a little territorial that he's not the the newest person. On, he got a little jealous and just decided to bow out. And I think that's what happened. No, come back. Come back. Don't leave no, me I, alone with Nate. <laughs> ouch. <laughs> My heart. <laughs> Demetrius, you figuring out your microphone? I don't have much of a plan. Uh, is it? Nope. Yeah. I can reboot <laughs> my computer. Let me try rebooting. I'll join you guys again at five. Yeah, that might work. Okay. Chris, you want to talk to us yet? Oh, why, why can't we hear you? Oh, so down at the bottom, there's like a little settings tab or the little settings gear. Click that to go to audio. Make sure that your microphone is uh, connected and working. And if not, who knows? If not, Lonnie and I will just sit here and talk. Yeah. I'm kind of reading the chat right now. I'm like checking out what's happening here. Hi, Gord. Yeah, everybody say hi to Lonnie. Everybody welcome her to the <laughs> podcast. Make her feel welcome. 
There's uh, quite a few people already that I see in here that I've I've seen on some of our streams with the WPBA as well. So thanks for joining. And then everybody make fun of Chris because he can't figure out his microphone. <laughs> yeah, make fun of anybody but me, okay? <laughs> like, it's fun. Okay, well, let's talk about the European Champion or the yeah the European Open. What did you? Uh, I guess the new event. What did you think, Lonnie? Um, so I love the event, actually. I it the break format changed the dynamic of that event so much. Um, it was I, it was very it was very cool to see all the top players have to make moves in Iraq versus just breaking and running like robots. I yeah. enjoyed that part of it. Like you don't um, get to see some of those creative pushes and the safety play. Um, and my goodness, it was almost like that. I heard people shouting like alternate break. And I was like, why? This is almost like alternate break. Yeah. Like it, it's almost the same thing. Like, it, especially in the finals, like I feel like if Alvin broke, Shane won the rack. If Shane broke, Alvin won the rack. Um, and had we held par, Shane would have won that tournament based on that. But we lost it there at the end. So I definitely, I, yeah, I, I definitely, um, the alt it does not have to be alternate the break but no. one thing that did drive me nuts is like the break was so perfect for the beginning and then they switched to the hand rack it's just i i just i don't understand why you'd switch to hand rack i thought the hand rack was a completely unnecessary thing when the you were already getting the the benefits i mean of course and this was a planned thing so it's not like it's not like they just decided halfway through that they were going to do it i mean this was always right. the plan but i think right. in the future I, I just don't think you need to have that hand rack anymore I think that the break is tough enough as is that that hand rack doesn't have to happen. Just throw them up on the template and let them go. Well, yeah, absolutely. Especially when they switched, when they went to nine on the spot and then break him from the break box, like they didn't need the hand rack. They, they just didn't. And I think that we also seen in a couple matches and I can't remember the exact match, but there were uh, two or three nines on the break and and that's a racking error, in my opinion, when when it's shooting into that bottom right hand corner pocket. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I I don't see the point. Why why allow them to template rack the whole tournament and then switch it up on them? And I get that that it's you know it's known, it's discussed. I'm sure all the players were aware. But it's still just why change the dynamic? It was already tough enough for them with the template rack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no ball control. Like they were getting the desired effect out of the template with uh, the nine. Yeah, but yeah. Th there was still a decent amount of nine ball breaks uh, or golden breaks, I should say. But I think the golden yeah. breaks this time came from crossing that one ball through the stack and yeah. you know, kicking that nine ball into the corner, into the side pocket, banking it into the side pocket. Um, mm -hmm. Where what you were talking about before, when it was one on the spot, is that it's just an error in racking, and that nine ball was just going straight to that bottom left corner. I, I think that's well, uh, yeah, this... but I think weren't those nine balls? I mean, those nine balls were leaking out of the bottom of the rack, though, weren't they? Well, they definitely were when the one was on the spot. Well, but... no, I meant from this particular tournament. I I thought that some of the players were having. I thought it was a rack thing, so I might be. I'm probably wrong because I wasn't there. Um, but just from watching it, I thought that they were feeling like it was a referee racking error. Like maybe there was a gap somewhere. Like. Um, 
but because they're not supposed to be able to make the nine and but they were coming through the pack and banking it back towards their right hand corner so i mean i'll be i'll be honest with you i I was uh i was actually playing an event this weekend myself um and so when i was playing this weekend i obviously wasn't able to watch nearly as much so um yeah I, i i only watched it a little bit and then when i did sit down to watch is like all of it we all know what happened with the zone Oh, that was bad. I like I was at pool league. I had a a pool league makeup match with my friend Tina and um, and we were there and we were like on our phones, like sweating it. Right. Because the finals were getting ready to start and we were really struggling to get Dazen to come up. And um, and when it stopped in mid match and like we found it on Facebook, I said, I mean, what are all these people paying this money for if that's not dependable, dependable streaming? Like, we may have to find another outlet match room. Come on. Like, clearly, we blew up days, how do, however you say it, zone or days in or whatever. Yeah. they. I mean, clearly, we had enough. There was enough people viewing that it blew up their system. So, we, we might need to come to something else. Well, it, it's one thing if it happens one time. I mean, this is... I don't remember the last time that DAZN worked the way it was intended. It definitely wasn't the last two times because the one time they somebody forgot to schedule it. The time before that there was outages, and the time before that it was laggy as all get up, and it was it was kicking people out. I mean, some people it works perfectly for them, and then some people like you literally can't. I, like I'm a technically pretty savvy person. I know how to make DAZN work if it's going to yeah. work, and I couldn't I couldn't yeah. get it to work at all. So. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I have been very blessed with, with them. So I have not had a lot of problems, but I did with this one, at least on my mobile. Now, I don't know if I had been home, if it would have been different. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, hi, Jim. Hi, Chris. Are you guys working yet? Can you hear me? Well, you, we can hear you. Yay. Can you, can you, I just want to test my mic. How are you doing, Jim? I think I'm in good shape now, Nate. Maybe not. Nice. No? Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know, Demetrius. Tell us, uh, uh, tell us your favorite. Uh, well, let me Hill let me go story. on this. So there's there's the break, and then there's this daz and the zone. It's not working. Okay, I'll let you guys take it. Yeah, we'll we'll get it figured out later on. Sorry, Demetrius. Wait, wait, wait. I want to. Oh, dang it! I wanted to kick him out. That would have made me so much happier. Bummer. <laughs> Jim, Chris, you guys were there. What what do you guys think being on site? Jim, go first. Can you hear me first? Yeah. Can you hear me? Kinda. Kinda. Why you keep going in and out? Okay, Chris, you go first. Me go first. You can actually hear yeah. me, can't you? Yeah, we can hear you. What a great show this is. We are really doing great today. <laughs> um what did you say? What was the question? <laughs> uh, how was the event, buddy? How was <laughs> it? was good. It was good. It was really good. The venue was like the venue was class. Again, the setup was like brilliant. Um, everything about it was good. Tables played good. They still had the 4.25-inch pockets, but I think from next season they might have the 4-inch packs. I don't know, but everything was good, even the break, apart from 
just that last 16 bit where they changed to the hand wrap. But um, I'm pretty sure they're going to change to just have. Um, is that my microphone doing that or is it Jim's? I don't know. I'll find out. You keep uh, talking. Um, but I, I think they'll just do the template throughout now. I don't think they'll change it. I don't think they'll go to hand rack anymore. They won't even attempt it, I wouldn't think. I don't think they need it, yeah. Nah. All right. Jim, what do you think? What? No. No. What's going on? Hold now on a second. Hear you. Now we hear you. Okay. Uh, really, really, Ben. All the, all, all the issues that they had from um, were solved. The uh, the break, brilliant. <laughs> saw some, you can't hear me, can you? Barely, we, mate. we hear like we 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 hear like every third thing that you say. So you just uh, 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 uh. it's fun. Right, hold, you right, need hold to leave. On a I'm gonna try and get on the wide. Leave and come back in. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Like I, I'm really apologize for this. We we uh we we went on the same servers as Dazone for this episode just to try it out. <laughs> you know. The design thing um, wasn't just all that you couldn't watch. It was, yeah. Everything was gone. Um, so obviously not great for the zone, but that's probably like the pool's probably the smallest sport they try on there. I don't think you know the ten or twenty thousand people trying to watch it on the zone would have affected anything. They were just having massive issues anyway. People had issues watching the boxing at the weekend as well. Well, I guess when you have gerbils running your. Uh... Your uh, your CPUs and your gerbils want to take a little bit of a strike vacation. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, I think I think uh, Matchroom eventually has to get away from the zone. Whether they create their own, uh, whether you know, whether they turn Matchroom live into some sort of uh, pay per view, where they're you know they're charging ten dollars an event or whatever it is, they got to get rid of the zone. I mean, the zone is like literally running their name through the dirt i mean there are a lot of people so i have been accused of being a matchroom apologist in the past um from a lot of people saying that i would just write off everything that matchroom does that's wrong and it's not a big deal and blah 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 and at the end of the day some of that is true that is absolutely some of it is true because uh they're the hope that we got right at the end of the day yeah. the predators doing some pretty cool things but without matchroom we are right back where we were in 2012 i mean there's nothing out there without matchroom so am i going to give them the benefit of the doubt generally speaking yeah does that make me an apologist i i don't know you can make it up for yourself but for all the people who really do hate matchroom and they're looking for any reason to slight them and make them look bad and blah 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 their continued partnership with the zone gives them all the ammo needed to do that they are literally destroying any credibility yeah. that they have with a product in the u.s with that segment of people who want to like just hate them you are giving them every bit of ammo you need by just not why would you pay ten dollars a month for a service that you can't even access or that I can't know. get it right at all i, I mean it's uh, yeah but, but matchroom signed a billion dollar deal matchroom boxing signed a billion dollar deal with disown like maybe 18 months ago so they pulled all of their boxing away from sky sports in the uk and shifted everything over to disown which is a big deal it's a big deal in the boxing world anyway um so obviously matching multi-sport and the other bits they just they follow along with that uh, and they get access into the other territories but still show pool on sky sports in the uk 
and around all the other territories in Europe where Sky Sports exists. Um, but for you guys in America, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Totally. It's not, it not great. And I, I, I might be wrong on this. I've never really tried, but I don't know that Matchroom Live is available in the States. I mean, I don't... I'm, I'm not going to... There's, there's ways to watch anything you want, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, uh, you know, to be honest, we probably need Matt Poland because he knows everything that there is to know about everything ever. Uh, Matt, is <laughs> is Matchroom Live available in the States? <laughs> I've actually never tried. So, um, and we'll, I'll give a shout out to Matt because Matt has like compiled every single breaking stat that I could ever need in my entire life. And so I have them conveniently right here in my chat. And so... If I sound smart with all my uh, breaking stats, it's literally because of Matt. So don't give me any credit. Give him the credit. Yeah. And as we go, Jim. Yeah, Matt. Matt definitely keeps up on that stuff, and uh, I actually enjoy that about him. To be honest, um, he's uh, he he's a pool fan for sure. I I know Matt. I've I actually have played Matt before, um, in a Michigan tournament, but. He uh he's very knowledgeable and I and I, I like it. I kinda like that he's in their chats helping us out, to be honest. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I, I joked with I joked with him in the chat that I I need to bring him on the, the podcast from now on as our stats guy. He'll just sit over in the corner and I'll like I'll create like a little just spot like right up here in the top left. And it'll just be his little face. And at, whenever whenever we give a stat that's wrong, he can just like press a button and his entire thing will just blow up to the size of the screen and he can say actually and then i'll give the proper proper stat i, th I think that'd be perfect <laughs> right he's definitely a statistician um he actually just i've seen in the chat he said uh he has matchroom live but uh but they geolock those broadcasts so so wherever you sign up you're gonna have to sign up with your vpn in some distant country other country jim can we hear you yet no, can you hear me now? Kind of. Better for now. Better. Okay. Um, are you, really are you running your internet off of uh, gerbils too? I've got a little mouse. It's very tired. <laughs> it's very tired. <laughs> well, go ahead. Try it. We'll, we'll see. I'm at, I'm at. So, yeah, I'm on the, the Wi-Fi at my worker. Uh, I'm not. In, but I thought it was. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a brilliant Emily on, I think, day three or day four. I haven't found anything yet to complain about for the podcast. She was quite happy. She let me down. She didn't give me anything. Uh, up until, up until when they changed the break. That's the only thing I've, she's addressed that in the, uh, in it afterwards. Saying, uh, oops. Uh, they will be using the through uh, the US Open, so that should solve those, those problems. But the event was great. The scheduling in the first two days filled into two halves, so they only had to deal with a hundred in the first two days, which made it a lot easier. At the moment, I know they're working on the digital pool, but at the moment, you know, upgraded uh, skew screen. Uh, the break rules, fantastic. Actually, really exciting matches. We got to saw breaking and running racks. You know, Jim, is there a way? Jim, is there a way that you can go on your uh, your cellular data? 
Would that be better? I was. Um, maybe. Hold on a second. This, yeah, this is this is like this is no good. Yeah, your internet sucks more than the zones. <laughs> All right, wait a minute. How about now? Yeah, that's better. Oh, that's much gooder. So much gooder. All right, I was in the wrong room then. Okay. Bake was brilliant. I thought. I thought it was. Got to see some proper kicking, some proper outs, some real tactical to get into the into the rack. Just way more pull. Nine ball became a proper game list, you know. So, so um, I really it's a tougher break for a player of my standard, but I found it very challenging, which is be a break that's made for players of my standard. It should be a break that's made for the top top guys. From the rest of the field, um, the only thing, yeah, when they get it down to the fence, they continue with the same from the last sixteen onwards. Or you got a proper tournament with proper. You literally, you literally walk ball, right yeah. by where you actually had good Wi-Fi, and right to the spot where, like, <laughs> you had great Wi-Fi for like a tense, like a, like a. 10 second stretch and then you just walk to the other side of it now it's crap again you want to see where i am oh you have that at your work and you're still as bad as you are (laughs) you still can't get out of the second round wow i played all right actually i was gonna get the results you know the only the only person you beat was a six-year-old barely he's a he's already better than you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow! Thanks. Well, that doesn't mean much. You should have. Yeah. Anyway, very little to complain about. Emily's let me down completely. She gives me something to moan about. But. Uh, oh yeah! Don't move. Very good. You're moving. Stop moving. We tell you to. All right. I'm... Oh no! It just sucks. Go on a go on a like a, a rabbit hunt for the uh, the router and just stand underneath it. <laughs> what about now? This is this is what you get at the queue it up podcast. This is what you get. Right here. This this type of quality. This this is, is what, what you, you get, get when I say to Nate, I'm working on Tuesday. It would be better to do it on Wednesday. Just do it on Tuesday. That this is what you what get you when get. Jim tries to get me back by saying something. Two words. <laughs> It's funny because he's like trying to get back. He's like trying to say something. We can't even hear it. <laughs> All right, Chris, tell us about your tournament. You played in the event. Uh, you won your first uh, two matches, right? Yeah, I won my first two. Uh, won your first two. First two. I played on the first day. Uh, so I won my first two on the first day. And then I had the Wednesday off. I didn't play again until the Thursday. Um, but I played my last match on the Tuesday at maybe like four o'clock and didn't play till have to again on Thursday. So it was almost two full days, really, almost two days off. Um, but yeah, when it came to the second day, I was I was rubbish, but nothing to do with... Um, I was rubbish against one guy and the other, the second guy I played with, played, played brilliant, but um, that's nothing to do with anything to do with the tournament. That's to do with me being being useless 50% of the time. <laughs> but it was quite, it was, it was quite, it was quite interesting having a day off in between. Uh, so Jim had the first day off and I played. And then I had the second day off, and he played on the second day. 
So they only have to deal with 128 players each day, which I'm sure for the tournament desk and everything is a godsend because at the other events where, you know, you might have 200 or 180 or 200 players playing on the first day, the tournament desk is getting hammered with people, especially when the digital pool website was being used. Everybody would go to the tournament desk. When am I playing? When's my next game? Um, but using Q-Score this time was just so much easier. Um, I, I don't know what the plan is, whether they're going to carry on with Q-Score or use digital pool. I don't I don't know. Um, i just seen little Chris say in the, uh, say in the chat, um, does anyone want to make a prediction before the break format ch changes again when the pros master this new format? I don't think anybody's going to get close to mastering it if you've got to hit it at a decent pace. So something interesting happened on the Tuesday morning, the first day of the tournament. I don't know where Jim was, probably nursing a hangover, but me and Jason Shaw were practicing on the morning and the referees were going around all the tables and kind of seeing somebody soft break and they'd go over and say, that's going to be a foul later. And they just kept going around all the tables and anybody they saw doing a break that they thought wasn't hard enough, they were letting people know before the tournament started which I thought was really interesting, a really good way to tackle it, really good way. Well, I wasn't nursing a hangover, or I didn't have to having an hour of practice. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Jim. <laughs> well, I actually, I bet it was brilliant. And what everything Chris said, yeah, the schedule is much better. Everybody knew what they were it, it, it was just, it was, it was really, really nice to watch as a fan afterwards, you know. And uh, I only had, um, the arena was fantastic. The venue was really, really good. Under stalls and everything in a separate room. It was great. I would, I would, you know, put a little bit of carpet underneath the leg. The only thing I would maybe do. Uh, but it doesn't really affect it. Um, but it can get, get a bit bouncy as well. Um, but it was really, really well ventilated to watch as a fan when you were in the venue. It was a little bit, it was perfect. Uh, yeah, I'll say... Um, the conditions. Great. The, uh, the finals, it looks like the, the place was absolutely packed. Uh, Chris, were you still there for the finals? No, no, I came home to work, but... Um... I watched it all throughout, <clears throat> even the days where the stream tables were on. I don't think you could always tell on the stream how many people were sitting and watching. Obviously, when they moved to the TV production, they'd show the, the, the arena a lot more. But there was loads of people. Every single game, there, were pe there was, you know, I don't know, 50 or 100 people sitting in the stands, which on like a Tuesday or Wednesday morning, that's, that's not bad. You know, it's not like it was in a major city or anything. Um, so there was plenty of people watching, not just players, plenty of people I'd never... I'd never seen before, didn't recognize. So lots of locals going to watch it. It was quite well advertised around the town that we were in. So anywhere that you walked, there was posters everywhere and things. Even if you walked down like the main street to go to a restaurant, there'd be posters everywhere and different posters, posters with lots of local German players and things on them. And really, really good. Really good. Yeah, that's awesome. There yeah, are... Pool is massive in Germany. Pool is massive in Germany. It's one countries that they should definitely be targeting for a few events and because you're always going to get crowds the german players are playing all the time and uh, yeah. in, uh, in europe germany is one of the big ones 
you know? Yeah. Um, I guess an interesting situation, uh, the, the German ref, um, Marcellus, uh, right? Marcellus. Yeah. Um, did you guys see the Sanjin? Did you guys yeah. see the Sanjin ruling? That yeah. is completely the wrong ruling, right? That is not no, a foul. That's right. Well, it, that's right. And when he said it, I was kind of like, I can't believe Sanjin didn't know that. Well, okay. So, okay. I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy because when he jumped over the ball, yeah, but he, yeah, but he miscued okay. and jumped it. So he, you know, okay. Yeah. So the situation that happened was Sanjin was playing against was a chain at the time. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, yeah. He's playing chain and. He's he's elevated over a ball just a little bit, so he's got a little bit of elevation on his cue, and he he shoots he's shooting with bottom spin, and he ends up scooping the cue ball. He ends up hitting low enough, and he miscues that the ball just goes up and over the two ball, goes off the end rail, comes back and makes contact into the two ball, and Marcel immediately calls foul and grabs the cue ball, and Sanjin's like what? And he's like that's an illegal scoop shot, and Sanjin's like are and and I, I like this. Sanjin's like are you sure? And he's like, yes, and grabs the cue ball. You cannot call yourself a ref if you call that a foul. That is not a foul. It says right in the WPA rules, if it's a, if a scoop shot is an intentional jump, it is not a miscue, that is not a foul. I think it is a foul. No, it's do not. There's think... no way. <laughs> it has to be an intentional scoop. Yeah, but do you guys think that there's a chance that Marcel's called – the foul before it, because he called it before the cue ball came back and hit the one and set into the rail or the two or whatever it was. He actually well, he called, called the foul before he made good contact with the object ball and caught the rail. So do you think that there's a chance that he just kind of went with it because he called foul before the ball stopped moving? If, that, if he did, that's even more unprofessional. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But that's kind of the feel that I got because I didn't think it was a foul offhand either. Yeah. It, well, regardless, it's not a freaking foul. <laughs> well, Chris, why do you think it is a foul? It, uh, well, so in, so Mike's just said it. In snooper, that is a foul. And that's why I assumed it was a foul in, in pool. But Mike's just said, and I absolutely believe what Mike's saying. Mike said it's not a foul. Um According to the guy who helped write the WPA rules, which is probably Mike for all I know, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was. But in snooker, it's a foul. So that's what I thought it was in, in nine ball as well. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like, you got to know the rule book. Like, it, for a ref, it, I guess. Sure. It is, yeah. I mean, he is a snooker ref. So sure, he thinks that it's a foul because of that. But it doesn't, if you're going to, to ref both sports, you have to get it right. It was absolutely not a foul. It can't be a foul. It's just, it was an unintentional scoop of the cue ball. It came back and hit the ball. And, you know, was that, I think it was two to one at the time. It was early on in the match. And, you know, Sanjin goes on to lose that match. But maybe, you know, I, I didn't actually look, I guess now that I think about it, I never looked to see if um, Shane would have had a run out anyways. Um, I would assume that he would have had some look at the two ball because he maybe. would have ended up crossing it into that, uh, that left long rail and the cue ball would have went to the left. I, Maybe he would have had a shot in the side pocket. Maybe he wouldn't have, but he probably would have had a look at it. You know, maybe that's kind of the difference in the difference. And that, like, if I was Sanjin, I would be pissed because you are, you are literally like, you are literally like hurting the guy's like livelihood by not at knowing. Point, the, like, yeah, you're, you are, you are so derelict of your duty to like know the rule book that you are affecting somebody's livelihood. This is his livelihood. If he doesn't, if he doesn't make money in a pool tournament, he doesn't make money to eat. Like I know that's a little bit extreme, but the yeah. idea 
is your job is to know the rule book. And if you can't know the rule book, don't be a ref. (laughs) That's not, it's not like a hard one. Yeah. I mean, the the problem with that rule is then it's not counted as intentionally jumping over the ball. It's a one in a million shot without contact in the cue ball more than once. It's a foul. Technically, it's, all, it's, it's one in a million that you can play that shot without once or without the feral of your, your cue contact, which is also a foul. It has to be the tip of your cue. No, it's not a foul because it's because it's a miscue, but foul because you can't do it without, without double hitting the whatever. That's why it's called a scoop. You know, try playing that shot without contacting the white more than once. It's very difficult. So and, and and for me, Marcel, he's gone straight over the ball. He's, he's not me. He's gone straight over the ball. He's playing. So so it's a dodgy one. I don't know, Jim. Jim, yeah. uh, we we literally like it's almost impossible to understand. Could you try leaving and coming back in? Just see if that helps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not convinced that you hit. I, I don't. I, I've I've gotten that um, that argument that you definitely hit the cue ball twice, and when you scoop a cue ball, and I I just don't see why you would hit it twice. Where where do you hit the cue ball twice on it? I think he's saying if you scoop underneath it, you're not going to be able to do that by just scooping with your tip. It's going to have to hit the cue again or something. I think that's what he was getting at. But I mean, that I don't think I've ever had that guy ref one of my games. He's extraordinarily professional even you know the snooker and very very professional but i do know that people have had problems with him in the past so you could sort of see on his face when sanjin said are you sure you could see on his face he was like i've seen that guy pull that face before you know (laughs) um i know people have had run-ins with him before yeah i mean i remember seeing the replay of that shot and i didn't think in the replay it looked like he hit it with this barrel but in the same respect, I'm not there. It does go to the ref, so you can't really do anything about it. But I, I really do almost kind of wonder if he made the call quickly and then didn't want to take his judgment back. Quite possibly, yeah. Well, he yeah. definitely does that. He's got that like he's got that like smugness to him that whatever he says is absolutely always right. We saw the same thing with the the Shane Van Boning incident in uh, was it the World Championships where he hit the rail and the ball at the same exact time? Yeah. Right. And, and he calls and he looks at it and he calls a foul immediately. And then he goes back and looks at it and you can freeze the frame. You can see that the cue ball is touching the rail and the ball at the same exact time. That's a good hit, but he sticks with it because he's he, like, it's like he's so damn smug that he cannot accept the idea of being wrong. I, I, I I'm being, I'm being real. Like the guy yeah. acts that way all the time. And I've, I've heard it from a ton of players. Like the, some, players oh, good. Really it wasn't like just me. some, you know, I've heard it from a lot of players. Some players really like him. Some players absolutely cannot stand him because he thinks he he thinks he knows everything, and he is unwilling to admit that he did anything wrong. I mean, it goes back; it's the same exact thing last year with the U.S. Open with uh, Aloysius Yap and Shane Van Boning about the the um um the 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 time call the where the extension call where he was over at the side basically saying like it's it's a foul, it's a foul, and Emily's like do what you need to do, and like he just refuses to 
like the initial thing that he says, he just sticks to it no matter what, and everything everything else be damned, whether it's the right call or not. That's the yeah. point of having a replace to get it right. Yeah. And if the ball is clearly frozen to the rail and the other object ball at the same exact time, it can't be a foul. You're supposed to give the you're supposed to give the player if if you don't know and it's too close to call, you're supposed to give the player the benefit of the doubt, right? But you're supposed to have the player on the table yeah. is supposed to have but in that incident you're talking about with a frozen ball and stuff. There was Jason and a couple of other players who were down by the replay screen and they were trying to help him without getting involved. But kind of straight away, he snapped and turned around and said to Jason, like, stay out of it, nothing to do with you. Completely fair comment. But you've got all of those guys there that know what the physical possibilities and probabilities are with shots like that. And he just didn't want to listen. That That's kind of fair in that scenario, I guess. But. You know. well, really quick, really quickly. The the yes, John Lehman was a referee for that, but Marcellus was behind the screen. Was, yeah, um, yeah. I was on site for that, and I I was on site during that, and like he was behind the scenes, basically saying like John is right. But the, the that's really just another piece of evidence that I'm using. It that one's really not that big of a deal. But the the point is, is like if you're going to use a replay on and like you just got to know the rule books one because you're affecting this person's livelihood. This is their job, and you being bad at your job is affecting their ability to do their job. And two, if you're going to use replay, get it right. Like, yeah, like, um, yeah, like uh, the Dr. Dave video that Douglas said, like, you, <laughs> it's right there on video. You slow mode it down to the point where you can see it. And ultimately, yes, the, the, the ruling does come down to you. But the point of the replay is to get it right, not to prove your inherent yeah. bias towards you being correct all the time. Yeah. Although, although a shot, a shot like the frozen ball thing, like that's a, okay. So that's in the moment. That's a shot call. I get that. But this situation where he jumped over the ball and came back and that snap judgment, that's a little bit different call because that's, that's like a, that's a, that's like an, he made that in like an instant call and it was actually, the balls weren't even stopped moving yet. Like, I feel like the referees, if they're going to make calls, they should kind of wait until the ball stopped moving before they just holler foul. Like, I felt like he literally was like foul and the balls weren't even done moving yet. And like, sometimes I think those, I think those snap judgments can be really bad. Now the frozen ball, that could be, you know, that could go either way. I agree that in now that we know that there's a replay, you know, it should maybe be used for that situation, but in this particular situation, at this particular match, the jumping over the ball and the snap judgment call, when the balls weren't even done moving yet, I think, and then being too proud to take it back, uh, if that's an issue, I don't know. I just, I got that vibe from him that he just didn't want to give that call back. So he went into it with that after he made contact. Because it was almost like he said, oh, you know, after he called foul and the balls weren't done moving. And he kind of like, oh. And then I heard him say, are you sure? And I was like, see, that was a snap judgment. That's a little different than a ball being frozen and something that requires a replay. Yeah. But I didn't feel like that shot was one that should have required a replay. He should have just been, he should have well, been more cautious as to when he yells foul. And maybe, maybe what needs to happen in the future is like, uh, you know, it's like tennis, right? You, you hit the ball out. So the referee calls out and you get, two challenges per match where you can actually go to the, the stupid little Rolex cam and you do the, the figurative shot on it. You know, yeah. it, it, should we be allowed to actually have the players be able to challenge 
the calling before the ball stopped rolling. Because at the end of the day, if if Sanjin had a challenge there and he called the challenge on that call, nobody in the world is going to still call that a foul because the, the WPBA rule or the WPA rule books states very clearly a scoop is not a foul. Uh, it's only a it's only a foul if it's an intentional scoop. This is clearly not an intentional scoop. So if he challenges that, he would have to win, right? He has to win it. But yeah. theoretically, should they be? Are they allowed certain challenges though? They're not, are they? That's not part of the. No, but um, okay. <clears throat> it's if that is the rule, then it's never going to happen again, right? It's happened on TV. Everybody's seen it. He, the referee, he must know himself now. I'm sure somebody told him straight afterwards if that's the case. So, yeah, but, you know. Maybe maybe they have the ability to call a, uh, a challenge. Um, but, I mean, w- with, how, with how, like, smug he was to grab the cue ball immediately and just look at him and say, no, it's a foul. Like, does a challenge work if the referee is unwilling to allow the challenge? Yeah, uh, you know, and the ref shouldn't be there to have any influence over the game whatsoever, right? They, sh- they should be, yeah. you know, not seen. They shouldn't have any adverse influence over over how the game plays out. That's obviously what's what's happened this time. One more thing about that guy before I forget the referee is Marcel, right? That's his name. Yeah, Marcel. I, might be last year or the year before. He was refereeing a game. It was on Sky Sports anyway, so it was on the TV. But the player that was playing kept leaving their chalk on the table. And Marcel told them once or twice. And the third time, it got picked up on the microphone. And Marcel said to him as the player was walking back to his chair, I don't want to have to tell you again. Now, what's he doing talking to players like that? I know that I'm not emotionally stable enough to have not told him where to go if he'd said that to me. And I know there's plenty of other players that I spoke to afterwards I'm talking about guys that are at the very, very top who said to me, I would have lost that game because I would have told them to bleep, bleep. But do you, do you know who he said it to? It had to have been some, it had I to have been remember. some like player on the come up or something. Or I, I, can't, I can't remember. I can't remember. Could you imagine but, him saying that to Jason Shaw? Like, well, this is what seven, I'm talking about, like right? seven like, years ago, like seven years ago. Jason oh, yeah. Shaw. I wouldn't, yeah. Or L. L would be a great one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like but Jason yeah. Shaw is like plenty fine now to like be able to handle that properly, but like a little bit like seven years ago, Jason a little bit more fiery, or Billy Thorpe. <laughs> or what about just, Mika? <laughs> yeah, I mean, could you I, imagine I, him saying it to Mika? But the but the truth is, is he probably wouldn't. Um, he probably wouldn't do that because he has more respect for those players. I mean, right? Maybe. I I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, think if so. this, may, you don't maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If this. If this isn't the uh, if this isn't the perfect description as to why we need more John Lehman and yeah. um, the best ref in the world that doesn't get any jobs, why am I Chris? He's your guy, the Nigel Reese, right? Ni- oh, Nigel, Nigel yeah. I don't know what happened to him. Such a lovely guy. I don't know where he is. Well, he had a fallout. We'll say. Well, yeah. There, there we go. But I think Mike, Mike's also saying in the chat that. I don't know, Mike. Is there any truth to John not getting invited because he worked with Predator Tony? Nate, you'll know you love all the gossip. I, I I'll find out. <laughs> I don't know. I'll find out though. I, I I didn't hear that until now, but I mean it's possible. I I mean I know that uh, Predator seems to want to hang around more of the snooker refs these days, and I would assume that that is because um, as they get 
quote unquote bigger and bigger, they're going to want to keep people on a payroll. And if they can keep snooker refs on and have them work the nine ball, they don't have to hire two sets of refs. So, I mean, it makes sense for them to hire only snooker refs because Matt, Matt Trim, you mean, right? Matt, yeah. you said Matt, credit, yeah, Matt oh, Trim, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, yeah. yeah, I meant, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, that would make sense to me. Well, I guess they're already on a wage or something, right? They're probably on a salary. So, yeah, you're just repurposing players that you, or uh, refs that you already have, right? Yeah. I mean, that would make sense to me. Um, yeah, I mean, th there's no reason. Yeah. I mean, would John have made an incorrect call? Doubt it. You know, I'd, you know. And, and if he did, I'll guarantee you that John is very firm. Uh, he's a very firm ref, but he's also humble in a sense that he'll. I don't think that he would have got it wrong to begin with, but I don't think he would sit there and tell you that he's right and you're wrong yeah, while I, smugly grabbing the cue ball. But uh, John's really personable as well. The first time I went to America to play, I didn't really know many of the rules and stuff, and I saw him at Griff's. So I just grabbed him for 10 minutes and asked him a load of questions, and he told me everything that I could have possibly needed to know. I'm not sure that if I went up to that Marcel guy and asked him the same thing, could I have a few minutes of your time, that he would have been so accommodating but uh, john's just great to have around the place anyway isn't he yeah yeah you know, he's a good yeah, tournament he's, he's director he knows everything about everything he's seen everything that's gone wrong in a tournament ever yeah i mean he called me out for having too big of a logo on my predator or in a predator event once so i wasn't happy about that but you know i guess i guess i got over it <laughs> i still hold a grudge for that but i don't know uh i guess we're, we're probably running long on this one let's uh Let's just talk about the event. Uh, Albin wins. Um, it turns out that actually having the break was a disadvantage. Now, it was a disadvantage partially because of that hand rack, I feel like. Uh, you actually were 49% to lose your break. That's, I mean, do you want to break the balls if you have a 1% chance of losing? I mean, people play blackjack and they have a four, you know, 1% chance of losing, basically, if you play by the book. So. <laughs> You're going from the last 16 onwards. From the last 16 on the uh, So Handrack's got a massive, massive part to play there. Um, template rack. It's, it's not going to happen, mm -hmm. I don't think. Not going to have the same problem. It was much more enjoyable. Uh, I only heard one person complain about the break. And when I asked them about it, they couldn't really tell me why. So everybody yeah, loved did. it. They crushed it. I mean, it's a uh, match from nailed it. Um, you know, I I hate to say I told you so, but they created a new event out of thin air, and uh, they there's no history with this event. It's just a brand new event. To tr basically, they used to try some stuff out, and it worked out to be perfect. I mean, almost almost everybody loved these breaking rules, and the only people that really were passionate against it are the same people that are passionate against damn near everything in the history of forever. And <laughs> I All thought it was entertaining. Yeah. So, I mean, like Lonnie, I think you said it perfectly. Like it's, you, you got to see pool. Yeah. Right. Well, and you got to see a tactical, a tactical side from these players. And I think Jim in between his, you know, all the, the squirrels and chipmunks that were running through his microphone. I think that he was trying to say that, that, that we got to see a tactical side of pool from some of these top players that we don't usually get to see because they're in robot mode and they're just breaking and running. Um, and so I enjoyed it because I, I got to see some really great push outs and um, some great safety plays off the one in the two ball early starts of the rack. And, and just getting the break did not guarantee that they were going to win the rack. 
And so actually it was kind of nice to sit there and be like, oh, well, you know, Shane's got the break, but that doesn't mean he's going to win, you know? And for once, typically when Shane or Alvin or, or, well, any of the top 20 players, really, if they're breaking the balls, they're favored to win the rack in the previous break format. This one, I, you just never knew what was going to happen. You saw scratches. You saw, you saw things that you just never saw and it, in the old format. And so I enjoyed it. Like, I, I learned a lot, actually, watching this tournament. Yeah, and uh, Jim said uh, Alvin ran a seven-pack. So, you know, had they stayed with the template, Alvin running a seven pack would have been more than 50% and I would have been right then, but they switched to the hand <laughs> rack. I, I completely forgot. Like when we were talking about this last week for anybody who watched last week's show, you know that I made a prediction that one of the last four players will break and run 50% of the racks because they'll figure out the break. And that was before I remembered that they don't do hand rack at the end. So um, you got to the point where they were, let's see here. Um, looking at Matt's stats of, the, the break and run percentage was 20, 27%. And on Sunday, the break and run percentage was 19%. So you want to talk about hand racking. Like, I mean, you're, you're going to get to see a lot of innings, but I think, I don't think you want to make it so tough to where you can't literally make a ball no matter what. And it has to go back and forth. Like there has to be some excitement of break and runs. Like there's gotta be right, Chris. I mean, yeah. this is, this is your event. What you agree with that? Oh, 100%, 100%. The one thing, I mean, all the stuff that Lonnie said, yeah, 100% added to the game. Um, but there were a couple of times where I saw people go hill-hill during the event or get on the hill and they'd maybe struggled with their break and they'd switch for their last break to a head-on break to try and get the nine move and trying to get it to Alvin come back up. Al Alvin did it. Loads of people did it throughout the week, though. But having the nine move in now, which barely ever happened before, Nobody wants to win games like that. I only have one one during the week, but I wish I'd had more. But um, just the risk of the golden break being there, it, all of it adds to it. The safety, the push-outs, golden break in play, not guaranteed a ball. The cue ball whizzing back and back across the table a couple of times. You saw Shane scratch twice or three times in a row in the same pocket, going twice across the table in the final. So all of it just adds to the drama. It's way, way better. Yep. Do you guys think that it made the players more tired? Because I, I thought the players looked uh, a little more tired at the end of this tournament than they typically do. Do you think that this put an extra mental strain on these players? I, th I think it might. I think possibly for the top boys, it might have been more of a strain because it was last uh, knockout from the last 64. So it wasn't mm -hmm. double elimination down to the 16 or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so... There's a lot more risk involved guys. Yeah, and you've added an unpredictable break format to it, and now you've got all this extra play that they don't normally – these extra, uh, to use yeah. an APA phrase, these extra innings to the table. I thought Albin looked very tired at the end of this tournament. Um, Shane, I thought Shane looked okay, but, but – well, um, wasn't, it wasn't it Albin's birthday? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Maybe there was some extracurriculars going on who knows you know, it's his birthday after all no <laughs> that was probably for after the event nate i'm sure after the event he he partied like a rock star would be my guess but but I don't it was know. nice to I, see sorry mate go ahead no no go ahead i'm gonna make a dumb comment <laughs> oh <laughs> it was nice to see it wasn't nice to see but it, it, it was good to see shane as the final went on 
you could see the anxiety on his face kind of building as his brake wasn't working more and more and more. To see someone who... Those veins never, start popping out in his forehead. Yeah, <laughs> to see someone who's sitting in his chair and kind of muttering to himself and looking around. Of course, everybody's going to do that from time to time, but it's interesting to see even the pressure that that format created got to even him at the end. It was definitely, you know, it was good to see. Definitely. I mean, I thought it was awesome. Um, I guess going into um, the rest of it, congratulations, Shane, uh, second place. Uh, You know, there's a lot of, (sighs) there's nothing that pisses me off more than when people, okay, let's, let's, let's just clear this up. He crosses the three ball. It was a, was it the three ball or the two ball? Three ball, right? That he, yeah, the three ball that he crossed into the top right. Phenomenal shot. Amazing shot. Gets yeah. a shot on the four ball. The people who are torching him, saying that he, you know, he then dogged an easy four ball or five ball. Five ball, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They know nothing about pool. No. If you think that that is an easy shot, that sh- you have to maximize that pocket. You have to literally be cutting that into the absolute most inside part of that pocket so that you can get your cue ball over enough to be able to play that six ball afterwards. Yeah. And you're shooting off of a rail, length of the table, into basically a millimeter worth of pocket. And you think that he dogged an easy shot? Like, you know nothing about position. You know nothing about the game. I think if you asked Shane what he thinks about it, he would say that he dogged it. But he's a different level from the rest of us, right? So him dogging something, uh, you know, it wasn't a difficult shot for him. Everything accumulated. It came to... No, I don't know about that. I I think that's a difficult shot for anybody. I... I don't. I agree. I, I, I think Shane would. I think I agree with him. I think Shane would say he dogged it, but Shane has a different mentality. He just never thinks he's supposed to miss those balls, which I agree with. He's one of the best players in the world. But um, it was not an easy shot, Nate. I agree totally. That was not an easy shot. I think the three ball cross bank was probably easier than that shot at that moment. I, I don't disagree. Uh, yeah. Well, let, let, let me say this. I agree with you, Chris. That Shane will say that he dogged it. Especially yeah. now, maybe in the future. But I, I will tell you that I think that if Shane watched Albin miss that shot or Fedor miss that shot or anybody else, he would give it the proper respect that it deserves. The fact that he was the one that missed it is the reason he said he would dog it. I oh, might maybe. be wrong on that, but I'm telling you, you – well, you tell me right now. Don't look at it as from Shane's perspective. How tough is that shot? On a scale of 1 to 10, how tough is that shot? Did you expect him to miss it? I expect I didn't. I didn't expect him to miss, but I did not expect him. I was really surprised when he did, but that's just because I. I, We all hold him in such high esteem. Anytime something goes wrong, you kind of think, "Wow, like how how does that happen to Shane?" But I would say that I am. I was on the fifty-fifty scale of that one, where okay, even if he makes it, I don't know that he gets position because if he if he makes it into the center of the pocket, he's going right at the six ball at best. Mike's just said it, yeah. Mike's just or, said it. Yeah. yeah. Or he's just inside of it and he's going to end up getting very, very close. He might end up, you know, kissing right up to it and being froze to the side of it. Like, to, to make that ball and execute it to a shot is like, that is so tough. If, yeah, and if you think it's like, if you think it's, if you think that that's an easy shot, you literally know nothing about this game and you better just stick to your keyboard because you're never going to get out of the second round of any tournament ever. Like that Agreed. shot was brutally tough. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I almost agree with Lonnie there. That shot might be tougher than the cross bank. The cross bank, you just got to pocket it, right? You don't have to do anything. Just, just get that cue ball moving. I'm not trying to say that the, the cross was easy because that was super tough too. I can't even believe he took it on to be honest with you, but I thought he was going to play safe. I, I thought he was too. Honestly, I thought he was too. 
or maybe he tries to spin it in, but like mm-hmm. what I, I I was actually watching that with a, a buddy, Jason Gibbs of mine. And when Jason's like, Oh, I, I think you can see it. I'm like, I don't know if he can or not. He's like, uh, what would you do here? And my response was, I would start praying. <laughs> Pick your favorite deity and start praying. Cause like yeah. the chances of you making that ball, getting position and still running out, like super, super tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that that he I thought he was going to I actually thought he was going to maybe jack up and use some uh, right hand spin and throw the three to the pocket, just making it because I think he had enough of it to do that. But um, I he actually shot a ball I, like that it, it would be, prior. Almost. The yeah, it would be, right. Exactly. And so I really thought maybe he was going to go that route. I like the cross bank because it was a little bit more. You uh, had full cue ball that way. Um, to come around the two rails for the to the five ball, but um, I really was, I guess, you know, I think at that moment I just didn't expect him to miss the five. Although I remember saying after he made the three, man, this five is not a gimme. Like he's gonna have to bear down to make this ball and to play shape getting to the six. And so I remember thinking that to myself at the time. I might have even said it to my husband at the time. And uh, and and but regardless. Like I, anybody who's sitting on the keyboard or on the other side of the screen that's not in these tournaments playing for this kind of money has no idea what kind of pressure that is. So I don't really take much weight when I see the keyboard warrior saying stuff about it. And Shane is Shane is just as polarizing basically as matchroom sports. You either love them to death or you hate him. Mm-hmm. And you're like kind Shane? Of, oh, are you kidding me? I, 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 I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him, but oh. I only know like the – like 150 players you play in the tournaments. I don't know any. Oh no, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about like fans. Yeah, yeah. Watch oh, okay. I don't know anyone like that. Watch the chat. I mean, he he gets some he gets some bad comments. Really? Like, there are yeah, especially on YouTube. Yeah, he gets some bad comments. Like oh, really, really, really rude people. But, I mean, um, you're talking about a guy. Who's I would say like... he, I would say he's 90 10. 90 percent of people adore him, and 10 people 10 percent. Oh, okay, and, you, and, yeah. and a lot of it's matchroom or a uh, Moscone Cup related, of course, but like. You know, if, if you hate the USA, right? I mean, you're going to hate Shane Van Boning. It's but not I think like, like in in ten or fifteen years' time, when Shane's coming towards the tail end or at the end of his career, people, I, I think that people are going to be putting his name in the mix as the best nine, just nine ball, the best nine ball player ever of everything he's done before. And now there's the new era of the game with the massive tournaments on TV. You know the damage he's doing. It, it, unbelievable player people will be talking about him in a decade as they might just be flat out saying he's the best nine ball player ever he's you know unbelievable talent unbelievable determination just crazy yep i i I don't disagree um you know i i still like efren personally but that's i think there's a there's an aura and an atmosphere around efren that even transcends his greatness as on the table i think he's he's such a likable character that nobody hates efren like you you can find plenty of people that hate shane you can find plenty of people that hate josh um uh jason i don't don't know i don't know if i've ever met anybody that hates fedor i mean fedor is very 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 likable too but like efren had that i don't want to i don't want to say this in a in a disrespectful way but like he has that like clown kind of like um aura to him we're like you know know, you you ask yeah. yeah, you well, you ask him how he executed a shot, and he'll just go, "I got lucky," like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I got lucky. <laughs> like, like, and you know, he's he's taking on you know 
silly shots where he's four railing the ball instead of, you know, just shooting it straight in. And he's, he's playing that bank and bank carom off into the side pocket, like all these things that, you know, they're just, they're just fun. I mean, you know, he's doing the the dances when he makes these kick shots. He's just such a likable character that is, is if you just line up resumes, Efren's and Shane's is, does Efren have a better resume than Shane's? I, I don't know. I don't know that that's true. I don't know. You know, Shane's going to win more. Like more people. If we're going to call these major events now, he's going to win more majors going forward. You know, it's, you maybe maybe this is what will be called the major era because there are five or six major events a year. So maybe it will be called that. Um, okay, that's where we cue Matt Poland right there. Who has a better resume? Who has a better <laughs> resume, Matt? <laughs> Like we're waiting now. <laughs> yep. Nobody say a word. Just, just stop. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Actually, I, I really don't know. You know, I was, I was young when Efren was in his, his prime. I was very young, just coming into watching the game and, and falling in love with the game. And uh, so I really don't know that. I mean, I, I've watched most of Efren's matches on YouTube. That's how I was familiar with Efren. So. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess as the event as a whole, uh, one out of one to five stars. What do you give it, Lonnie? Four and a half. Four and a half. How how do they improve? Shane needs to win it. Needs to win it. Okay. <laughs> so Shane, uh, get get working, uh, Chris. Right. <laughs> zero to five stars. Four point eight. Just that little bit at the end. Four point nine. Just the hand wrap thing at the end. Um, especially in Jason's game where you saw the line kept tracking towards that bottom pocket. It's um, it's a complication that's just not required. Hand racking, just don't need it. The yeah. break's random enough now. So, I agree. Uh, I 4.99, and that's the same thing. Just get rid yeah. of that final 16. You get rid of that yeah. final 16, you might have – now, do I want to see this format for every single one of their events? I, I don't know that I do. I still like I still like the idea of something being like the the I like the idea of seeing the Whirlpool Masters with yeah. the one on the spot. I want to see the one on the spot with three point three point nine inch pockets. Something the, like the, that. The Invitationals, Moscone Masters, World Cup. I think they might need, they might do a different break yeah. format. Um, but the opens, no, and the worlds, I think they're yeah. stick with this. I think so. I like yeah, tight, tight, agree. tight, tighten those masters pockets up to 3.9. Like he had them two years ago. Uh, when I believe Alex was it two years ago, was it? Yeah. Alex won on the 3.9 inch pockets. I believe that was amazing. I bring those back for the master, uh, the world cup of pool. I don't know. Maybe you can find something else for the, the world cup of pool. Maybe you put the, the, Maybe put the the bottom ball on the spot. That might be fun for that. Just make it a complete clown show. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna fly twenty hours to play a race to seven, you might as well just make it completely clownish, right? The World no, Cup uh, of Pool is just fun, though. That's like, in my opinion, that's like that's a fun event, um, and I think the players enjoy it too because they don't get to play those formats ever. So I like the fast paced short race. You know, winter break format, watch some of these guys partner up and, and play some great pool. That's okay. It's a little more entertaining than a, than a world open tournament. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I agree with all your points, uh, everybody's points on that. I think the break needs to stay with the template rack and not go to the hand rack and, 
and um, change the rules for the more fun events that are more geared towards fans versus, you know, world titles. And I think Matt Dream's right on the money. I mean, I think they're, they're doing it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're willing to grow. They're listening to the players. They're, you know, putting their feedback in. And I, I think that they made a, you know, I, I think we all would agree that they made a mistake switching to the 16 uh, mm -hmm. hand racket 16. And I, I, you know, I, I would venture to bet a lot of money that they're going to learn from that. And I would, I would guess that they won't go away from that. Why would they? I mean, at some point in time, you still want to maintain like a 30, I would think somewhere between a 30 and a 35% break and run percentage. I think that that's the, that's the sweet spot where, you know, you can 35% break and run percentage, you can break and run, you know, six out of 13 racks. And that's, if you have a good match, that's, that's good. Yeah, I yeah, would say yeah. that, that that's, that's a good mixture between back and yeah. forth and, yeah, yeah. This is titles. Eighty-two for Shane Van Boning and forty-three for effort. I mean, of course, it kind of depends on what you consider a title at that point. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure Effer I'm sure Efren's won about a million small events around Texas when he was, you know, freshly over, and everybody thought he was Mexican. <laughs> I'm sure he was winning like every single event he was playing in. in what Texas, did they used to call him? He had, he had a different name, right? What was his name? Oh, he had two of them. He used uh, Mike Michael. No. Yeah, Penoza, what, what did uh, Efren go by when he came over into the States for the first time? Yeah, he he, I, he was playing under a fake name. But I don't think he – from what my understanding of it, he was playing under a fake name. But he when people said – when they figured out who he was, he didn't deny it, is what I was told. Oh, yeah. Hey, Morales, Morales, that's yeah, it. Yeah. 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 But Matt yeah. Poland, he's good, isn't he? <laughs> no, no, knock it off, Matt. You're only here for stats. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's a bunch of people knew that. Uh, apparently, we need to have. Oh my God, look at this! Wait, Jesus. I want to try something. Uh, everybody is showing. Everybody knows it, but us. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys should start a podcast. Hey, look, even right. I got it. Ha -ha. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, okay, so um, let's move on from there, I guess, unless we have anything else that we want to say, which we don't, because why not? Uh, Josh and Shane are locked in for the Moscone Cup now. Uh, I guess, what are our thoughts? Nobody's surprised by this, but um, Lonnie, you have any thoughts on it? Um, I was watching it a little bit during that open, and I, um, I'm not going to lie. I don't know why, but I, I'm a big FSR fan, so I like his pace of play, and I just think he's got a lot of character at the table. And um, – so I was actually kind of hoping the FSR would be the first one in, but I, I still hope that, that they pick him up for the European team. Although I'm team USA all the way. I just think that um, FSRs had a good run. And I think that, you know, all Katie's gotten to do it before. Like, why can't we, you know what I mean? He it's, it's time. He's ready. Francisco Sanchez Luis is my second favorite Spaniard. I agree. I like him. Who's your first? You don't know? Take a guess. No. Am I going to be, I, can I pronounce the name? <laughs> My favorite is uh, Jose Alberto Delgado. He is such a cool dude. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's the, yeah, I hung out with him in Vegas for a little while. He's such a good, he's such a cool dude. He's such a fun yeah, guy. Cool and he, he plays, he plays amazing. Like uh, people yeah. don't realize how good that dude actually plays. Um, I mean, we saw him play Shane this time. So like that was a lot of people's introduction to who he actually was as a player. But mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he gets over – I mean, it's a lot like Mac Lechner, to be honest with you, like Max Le mm -hmm. Lechner, um, where, you know, Albin and Mario were, uh, you know, just like 
so overshadowing him for so long, but he is such mm-hmm. a phenomenal player. And I, I believe that's like a lot of uh, um, Jose Delgado is like, he absolutely is a beast. He just gets overshadowed by FSR and David Alcaide. Yeah, but FSR has not really been, um, I mean, he's been playing for a while, but he's not really shown his talent as much as he has in the last year or so. Like, uh, he's definitely hit a new level. Yeah. yeah, he is hitting a new level, and I really I like watching him. I don't want to be mean, Nate, but I have to go back to work. You can do that. We're gonna. We're that's why I went with you first because I figured you were probably uh, scooting out of here soon. Thank you. So, Chris and I, uh, Chris, any thoughts on the uh, the Moscone announcements? I mean, obviously this was kind of obvious, but um, what do you think? Nothing. No, nothing. Nothing really. Surprising Welcome to the now. show, Lonnie. Bye bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for having bye. me. No, nothing surprising, right? Um, yeah. The next big ones, US Open. Or they will announce the next two. Well, the, the next two there, yeah? Yep. So who's in, so who's in already? Uh, Shane and Filler. Shane, Filler, okay. Yeah, so it uh, looks like uh, the updated... Uh, so I guess here I'll... I guess I'll throw these up on screen so everybody can kind of see what they are because uh, it's easy to do. And here we go. So we got Shane Van Boning at uh, 86,000 and Joshua Filler. That is why they were in. Um, actually, Josh leapfrogged Albin by yeah. placing deep enough, so good for him. Um, Albin and Francisco Sanchez Ruiz are separating themselves from the rest of the field. Mario, he is going to have to have a great tournament to catch up to one of them to leapfrog into the, the three guaranteed spots. But uh, the next American, uh, keep looking because they are not on this list. So uh, I don't even, we, the last few times we've, I've been on, we've spoken about the European team a lot, but the US team is, <clears throat> European team is going to take care of itself and they're going to have five unbelievable players regardless of what happens for the us team they are not going to have an unbelievable team no matter what happens um someone who i watched at the world championship i saw again this week didn't play good this week but that guy is it jeff beckley jeff beckley do you know who i mean yeah i i mean i know of the name but what's good player solid and he's better than quite a lot of the other us guys that i've seen anyway um young ones included um what do you think your five is going to be i mean it's super tough to say um I, I mean i think that there's three locks um right now i think um shane oscar and sky are locks no matter what i mean regardless of the um quote-unquote uh uh wild cards i think that they like just three players with wild cards included that are guaranteed in are sky shane and um oscar because i think Why oscar's oscar? playing it he's playing everything right okay at, at some point he's playing everything and he's he's making runs i mean he yeah. is and plus he's second in the money list right now um at nine thousand um, okay. sky is at six thousand i mean it's at, at, at some point you got to just kind of say well no one's going to question whether oscar deserves to be there from a talent perspective I okay mean, at least when you look at the rest of the us i mean he's he's there he's got the talent so, so then it comes we, down to go ahead if we look at players that definitely aren't going to be in we say definitely but probably 
Definitely not. So Corey Jules not going to be in. He won't be in. Corey Jules <laughs> probably not. Corey's not going to be in, right? Sure. Billy Billy's not going to be in. That I don't know. I, why would why wouldn't why why do you think why, Billy wouldn't be in? Why would he be in? Because he's talented enough to be in there. Has he played enough of the some? Even even guys finishing sixty fifth are probably gonna, you know. Well, let, let me let me let me more points. Let me give you this. Uh, there's two wild cards, right? So at the end of yeah. the day, um, I I'm sorry, I, I I can't help it. I just gotta pick on somebody. Ooh, I'll pick on somebody that uh, isn't very popular, anyways. Uh, Jonathan Pinnegar, uh is going to probably end up having pretty close to the same amount of points as uh, Billy Thorpe. Do you want to have that guy represent your team over Billy? I'd have that Jeff Beckley guy probably. Why? Why Jeff Beckley? He's solid. He's looks like a good player. Solid player. He's a, looks good. He's a hundred. He's a hundred and thirteenth on the the money list. Yeah, um, but I mean that Pinnegar, Where did he get his points from? Same as that Hogue guy, Greg Hogue. Where did he get his points from? Uh, it's Greg Hogue won the Sandcastle Open. Hmm. Which and had Pinnegar. Shane Wolford. Which had Shane. He's not ready to play in any in any Moscone Cup either. The Wolford guy, I don't think. Uh, he might have just had a bad tournament. Well, he didn't see, look quite this is all of this is my all of this is my point. Is like mm. if you don't if you don't take um if you don't take Billy, who are you gonna take? Yeah. I'd definitely take that Beckley guy. Well that that Beckley guy, like I don't really know who he is. And, mm. and like you're saying he's a proper player and like he's, yeah, he's ready for it. But um I think Carl said, but uh, Carl Boyce said he'd been around years ago, maybe like IPT days or something, maybe, but then disappeared well, he, for like a decade or something. I don't know. But. Well, well, here's his finishes: uh, four hundred, uh, no finish, one thousand dollars, no finish, no finish, no finish, no finish. No finish means he hasn't turned up to the event. No, in, in no finish means, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he plays good. He looks like he can play well. Um, So, I mean, if you're asking me who I would take right now, are you asking me who I would take or are you asking me who I think would be taken? The best five you could put together so you're for asking your me life. Who I would take. Yeah. For my life, um, I would go to Europe on a hostage spree and I would. <laughs> no, but honestly, who's the best five you take? If you absolutely, ha for a million dollars, who are you the five you're uh, taking? Shane, Sky, Billy, Oscar. Tyler, yeah. probably. Tyler's at least shown that he can do it. I, I, I but but I don't think that's going to end up happening. I, I mean, Tyler is in a slump, absolutely. Um, I mean, he he hasn't. He's just he's not playing his game at the he's, end of the day. Like he's professional pool player. He's playing full time though, right? That's all. He, that's his job. That's what he does, right? Yeah. So that that's um. I don't know. It's quite a big. But it's quite a big slump Bill, for a professional. And Billy isn't playing at all. Yeah, so he's I mean, just started up his own business, right? So Billy isn't a full-time professional. Jeff Beckley isn't. Tyler is a full-time professional. That's what he does, yeah? Is that right? So it's who? Billy's not a full-time professional. He just started up his own business. So his head isn't in pool all the time. Not to end up to sure. some events and things. But whereas Tyler is playing full-time, that's what he does. 
I think he got something like trains and Actually, practices you know in like three of the There's morning. a there's a great addition that I didn't even think about. Jeremy Seaman. Jeremy Seaman is playing yeah, some play, great, yeah. great pool. But yeah. the problem with Jeremy Seaman is he's not playing. He's playing all the Predator events because uh, is. Um, I I'm hoping I'm able to say this. If not, sorry, Jeremy. Um, I I spoke with Jeremy at the the previous event. Um. One of the previous events, I sat down and got dinner with him in Wisconsin, actually. And he said that um, the reason he's playing all these events now is his, his sponsor, Seabirds, has been funding his basically all of the Predator tours because Predators partners with Seabirds. Right. And so like he's that's why he's been playing all the Predator events is because they, they've basically been funding him to go to these things. And it's showing in his game. I mean, he's still he's still not a full time player either, but he's playing some pretty, pretty damn good pool for the Predator events like. What you know, obviously, he's playing the Predator events because he's being funded to them. So, is he gonna, you know, show up for the U.S. Open? Is he gonna show up yeah. to the International Open, stuff like that? But I'm, I'm telling you what, Jeremy Seaman plays some really underrated pool. He, he could, you know, to be honest, he might be my fifth. You know, maybe, maybe I, maybe I pick um, Sky, Shane, Oscar, Jeremy, and Tyler. Maybe that's my new five. Maybe, maybe I like that dynamic more. If Billy plays, you know, I, I. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take Billy, but yeah. over one of those players. But the, that's a great, great. Jeremy Seaman is playing some awesome freaking pool. Yeah, he's like a seven seventy five Fargo or something like that. Jeremy Seaman is so. I mean, that's that's great. That's high. He plays great pool. I like it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Oh, somebody says Tony Chohan. Does Tony does Tony even play nine ball rotation? I don't know. Does he? No. Tony plays great rotation. Oh, I'm sure he can. I'm sure he can. He, but does he play? He, the really, he doesn't play tournaments, does he? No, no not enough. So I'm sure. I'm, no doubt. But I'm can. telling you, Tony Chowen, like he is a very, very underrated like rotation player. Like I, people like super disrespect him, thinking that like he's just a one pocket specialist. That guy can play some goddamn rotation. I'm telling yeah. you, he plays good. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah, especially for not playing hardly any at all, right? <laughs> yeah, but. um I don't know. I don't know who. Who do you think? Well, like Frank him. Andrews. Well, Frank Andrews. Why not just select on merit? We can select on merit. I mean, theoretically, we can. Um, I. I. I mean, I'm just looking at Fargo rate. Do we want a 700 to a 730 level player playing on Team USA? Because if we go off of merit and who deserves it based off who's playing, that's where it's going to be at. Now, if, if they're ready at 720, that's just a number. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't give a shit if you're a 720 Fargo or a 420 Fargo. If you're playing 850 speed or you're playing 780 speed, sure. But at the like, you get to a point where um, there will not be a player on Europe that's under 800. Just a guess. Maybe Mario, he sneaks in there. Um, and I think he's very close to 800, but I don't know if he's yeah. exactly 800. Um, you don't think Earl will get a wild card pick? I don't think he deserves a wild card pick. Did he, I don't know if he deserved one last time, but no, I don't think so. But then they picked Efren for the World Cup, and Efren's like wasn't wasn't. Well, he didn't end up playing either. He didn't end up, but neither did Earl last year in the Moscone. Yeah. Well, so, Earl showed up at least. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. But Efren but, couldn't get there, right? So, um, I just looked up Mario. He's even at eight hundred and three Fargo. Yeah. So, I mean. Even him. Um, there will not be a player on Europe that is under 800 Fargo. We no. will have exactly one, maybe two. I, I think Sky fell down below 800. I think he was like right at 799 for a while, but I don't think he's there anymore. Um, 
I, oh, he's exactly at 800. So <laughs> again, Fargo is just a number. I get that, yeah. but, uh, but, you know, it's. I don't want to. It's it's hard to imagine a situation where a Nick DeLeon, who I love and I sponsor, would get picked with a wild card. Mm. Right. I merit. I mean, he's at every single event. And if you go off of merit, he absolutely deserves to be there more than anybody else because he's played every single one of them. But I cannot imagine a situation where Jeremy Jones looks at Nick DeLeon over a Billy Thorpe or over yeah. a Tyler. Less, well, yeah, maybe over a Tyler Shire, maybe over a Jeremy Seaman. It says you deserve this, or we want you over them. Like I, I, I struggle to see a situation where Jeremy does that. Now, do I think they're deserving? If you go off, um, like what they've done, absolutely. I think Nick DeLeon deserves a nod over those players. But how much is it Jeremy's decision, though? It's not. It's it's not his sole. I don't think it's his sole decision, right? I think it is. I, I, think, I think that. Do you think he picked Earl last year? Oh, I think Matron picked him. I think Matron convinced him to. Play well, him. I don't think it's a soul Jeremy gets well, to decide. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now that it wasn't. There was an influence on Earl being yeah, yeah. picked. I'm telling you that it was. It wasn't Matron. It was. It was Shane. Oh really? Okay, cool. That's good. Well, maybe Shane asked for him again then. You want to see Earl in it? Come on. You want to see Earl. I, this is just you begging to see Earl, you clown. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to see Earl. You want to throw apples at him when he's down on a shot. I, I know um, you. <laughs> uh, uh, under the pressure, though, Earl's probably still better than a few of the guys you can pick, right? For, for, I, for, for, for big situation, races to five, Earl's still your man, I think. I mean, Mike's... I, I don't hate Mike's statement. Team USA needs Tony, if for nothing else, to needle Europe the whole event. Uh, I don't yeah. necessarily, <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, at the end of the day, like, is Tony, is Tony capable of winning the the cup for the U.S.? No. Is he capable of contributing to a winning team? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> he's not gonna, he's not gonna Sky Woodward it, where he single handedly just grabs all four players and drags them over the finish line like Sky did. And, uh, 2020. But yeah, if, if they put together a winning effort, Tony will be a part of it. The fans have got a big part to play this year, though. The USA fans, they've got a big part to play this year, I think. In, in fact, increasingly every year, they've got an even bigger part to play uh, in trying to put pile pressure sure. on Europe. Well, I don't know. I guess with that, uh, do we have anything else? You want to just close it out? The women's events on in Canada this week, right? And they called off the men's event. They didn't have enough runs. Somebody told me they only had 33 runners or something, 34. It's probably yep. BS. I don't know what the truth is. Is that right? Yeah, they called off the men's. Yep. So the women's event's still going on, the Canada Open. And uh, yeah, it's a great event. Uh, stream to Billiard TV. Billiard, yeah. So fun. Should be good. What was interesting kelly's picture was all over the posters in germany for the european open and then she wasn't there yeah that was kind of weird right but yeah i, bet, I don't so, know whether she pulled out last minute or yeah or what happened but then again there's um much easier dollar for her to make somewhere else yeah so yep all right well uh that's going to be a great event uh check it out on billiard tv uh and i think chris we need to wrap up what do you think yep all good 
All right. Well, thanks again for joining me, Chris. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and participating in the chat. And Ryan Harmson, I will be in town on Thursday. I will be uh, leaving up here right around noon on Thursday, so I would be up there right around 6 or so to see our billiards. Big event this weekend. Hopefully I play well. Chris, you want to play as Nate? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care. See you later.